morning, this morning. Stand with us as we open in worship. Come let us worship the King, as He's done great things. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet, for He has done great things. Come see what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm you'll be faithful forevermore you have done great things and i know you will do it again for your promises yes and amen you will do great things god you do great things oh hero of heaven you free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Oh, hallelujah, God, above it all. Break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things, oh God, you do great things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. It is great. He has done great things, and we are so grateful that you are here with us to serve this risen King, uh, Sunset Hills Baptist. It's so good to see you all this morning, and if you're joining our live stream, it's so good to have you with us tuning in this morning on a day where if you are a Volunteers fan, it is a good day for us, isn't it? It is a good day to be a Volunteers fan, isn't it? 
I don't know about you all, but that was a crazy, crazy back and forth yesterday. Lots of points being scored, and I'm sure there was a lot of Pepto-Bismol being taken throughout the day and things like that. But it was a great reminder watching the celebration, wasn't it, last night, that, um, you know, the point system, there was a lot of points being scored. It reminds us that, you know, we got, we got really no points on God. There's nothing we can do to be made right with him on our own. But Jesus, he tore down that goalpost between us and him so that we can be made right before him and we can celebrate. And that celebration we saw yesterday was just a smidge of the celebration those in Christ are gonna have. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that you don't have that hope, we're so glad you're here because you're gonna hear it this morning. And there's a lot of people that are wanting that for that. And if you're here this morning, you're gonna hear that story. And just like you saw that celebration we celebrated yesterday, what was it, 15 years? Is it 15 years? The curse was broken. 16. Curse is broken. God can get rid of the curse that we're all under called sin because he loves you and me. Because he went to the cross. He went to the old rugged cross. Amen. Hey, you guys be seated just for a moment, if you will. We're going to take just a moment. And um, every year I have the, um, the privilege of being able to recognize different seniors that have graduated and are moving on to the next stage of their life. And this year, um, we may be celebrating seniors like throughout the year uh, with COVID and some different things, uh, with, with the ability to finish school online. Uh, some folks have had different schedules of graduating. And I want to take a moment and recognize one of those uh, beautiful ladies here today. Uh, Gabby Ivy is here. And uh, just actually, I guess within the last few days, she finished up all of her studies and graduated. And uh, so we were kind of thinking about, do we wait? And we're like, no, 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 it's, it's fresh and it's exciting. So we're gonna go ahead and recognize her. This is uh, one of her awesome pictures, I think in the backyard uh, at the lake. They, they live over by Percy Priest. And, and uh, I can tell you when I first came back here and was looking for some strong leaders, one of the things that I looked for um, folks to join and, and lead student ministry along with me is I was looking for family structures and I was looking for uh, families that just look like, man, they had some really great things going on, some really healthy families. And the Ivies were one of the ones that, that I went to, I, I think actually one of the very first folks. And I remember very vividly sitting down in their living room and asking David and Sarah, hey, would you mind coming and joining us as we do student ministry and uh, we want to make this the strongest uh, as, as, as it could possibly be. Uh, I'm not sure at that time that, that Gabby was 100% on board. She's like, oh my gosh, he, not only did he ask one, he has both my parents. Uh, but I can tell you that it's been a beautiful, uh, a beautiful arrangement. And Gabby is absolutely the best of her mom and dad. Um, she's, she's equal parts both. And she not only has helped us create some great memories in student ministry, but she has a beautiful eye for capturing those ministry, uh, those memories as well. And if you've ever seen any of her photos, and they're they're plastered all over her house, and um, she she's an award-winning photographer, and I know that that she's only scratching the surface of what what she's going to do in that field. Um, She's taking a gap year this year, and then coming up um, later next year, she's going to be studying small animal science. Uh, definitely one of the loves that she um, got from her mom. 
Um, I hope you learned some lessons not to get bitten as well. Um, Sarah had to, there was a time she had to get some rabies shots, I think, from feeding the, the raccoons um, on her front porch. But I do want to say this, uh, along the way uh, of all of these years that Gabby and I have been doing ministry together, um, she's been very faithful to be there and be involved in all those lessons and things. And I can tell you that um, last year, um, it really became evident to me that, that she had taken all of those truths and promises of God in. Uh, she's absolutely one of the strongest human beings that I've ever met to be able to um, go through the loss of a parent with so much grace and, and strength. And um, every week she would, she would come to student ministry with a smile on her face and still was all in. And uh, so, Gabby, wherever you end up in life, you're going to be a gift to, to those that, um, that, that you end up with. And I hope that's with us for many, many years to come. So would you help me in congratulating, congratulating Gabby Abbey. Same with us as we continue to worship. Cling to the 
there that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now the savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet we bow the one who wore our sin and shame now robed in majesty the radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see your name your name is victory all praise will rise to christ our king your name your name is victory all praise will rise to christ our The fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace. His final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. Your name, your name. Your 
resurrecting me. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. in your plan, power in 
hands started flowing when you said it is done. Jesus, who you are is enough. There's honey in the rock. so thankful God in the way that God you provide Lord as our minds try to wrap around that scripture that you shared with honey being in the rock God I know it's all about your provision and God the way that you through Elijah's obedience God sent him out into the wilderness and God each and every morning Lord, you sent the ravens to provide. Lord, that you put people in his path to provide for him. God, and I know, I know that you have, have done and are doing the same to us, God, because we're your precious children, God, and we're so grateful, Lord, to be called a child of the King. Lord, we're reminded that you own the, the cattle on a thousand hills, and God, that, that there's nothing, God, that you can't do. That, God, you're the great physician, and God, if, if it's not even a, a financial need or, God, if it's a medical need, God, God, that we can come to you with any and everything that we have. Lord, and you're there to provide. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, today that we have this opportunity to lift your name up and to worship you. God, let us never take that privilege for granted. God, as we entered in this time of, of spoken word, God, please just anoint this time and God, speak through Pastor Steve that, Lord, he would give a message that would be encouraging to our hearts. God, draw us closer to you. Lord, in everything that we do, let us never forget to give you glory and praise. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hey, good morning, Sunset Hills. Thank you so much for being here this morning and joining in by a live stream. Now, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows this. I think probably people do, but all of these people that are exiting, these, these kids, they're not leaving because I'm about to preach. Well, I guess technically they are, but they're going to Children's Church, and uh, so that they... We want them to get some worship experience in big church uh, by being a part of the, the song service, and then they go off, and Pastor Mike and other people who volunteer do an incredible job of kind of teaching them, not kind of, but teaching them, and, and, and sometimes I hear stories about what they do, and I think, man, I should be in children's church, right? So... And let me just clear this up right now about my eye this morning. Some of you all probably know what's going on. Maybe you're wondering. 
Maybe if you don't know, I, I don't want you sitting there all during the sermon uh, wondering what, man, what happened to him. I'd rather tell you so that you can listen. And I thought about coming up with some wild stories about what happened, like you should see the Alabama fan. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be true. Although there was one game I went to, the only game I've been to, Tennessee versus Alabama, I wanted to punch a lady out that was sitting beside me. It wasn't a very pastoral thing to do. And I didn't want to be on the front page of the newspaper saying a pastor in a local church takes out an Alabama fan sitting next. Might have been the opposite way. From, she might have taken me out. I don't know. But, and then I thought, well, maybe I could tell you I'm just preparing for Halloween a little bit early and wear my mask this morning, but that's not true either. Truth is, I had yet one more surgery on my lower eyelid on Tuesday, and I hope this is the promise, the, the final one, and it seems to be promising so far. After eight, I hope that this one does it, right? And if it pains you too much to look at me, I understand. Just look at your neighbor instead. instead. And maybe, or some of you are probably thinking, I'd rather look at you, Pastor, than look at my neighbor. I don't know. It could be that way. I, I am, I was having a little problem with vision because I was, we were singing that song, Honey, and there's honey in the rock. And I was looking at the screen over here and I thought it said at first, there's honey in the rock, mama on the ground. I thought, oh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Manna on the ground, right? But, you know, so I've got a little bit of double vision going on. So there's no tell what you're going to get this morning, all right? Mama on the ground. We've been in a series now for a couple of weeks entitled, for several weeks entitled, What to Do When, just to refresh your memory of what we talked about so far. What to do when I'm confused, that was the first one. What to do when I am wrong, when things go wrong. What to do when things go right. What to do when you have a problem. What to do when life hurts. And then last week, Robbie Robson came in and filled the pulpit for me and did a wonderful job. We're always glad to see Robbie here and uh, have him preach this morning. We're going to preach, we're going to do one more, well actually two more sermons on this series. Let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever made a decision that turned out to be a bad decision? Right? Well, by the response from the crowd, it seems like you have done that. The answer most likely is, most definitely, you've been in that situation before. Sure, I have as well. We've all made bad decisions. It's one time or another, right? That's for sure. We're all guilty of making bad decisions. We get that. It was maybe easy to make that bad decision. You stop and think back on it. I'm sure that there have been times when you made a, a bad decision. I, did, I had my eye fixed, but not my mouth. I've got to, I may have to go in this week to do that. To... to uh, to, when you made a bad decision and, and you recognize that. But let me follow up by asking an additional question too that are adding to it. Have you ever made a bad decision that caused you to make more bad decisions? One just led to another. I mean, you started out making one bad decision. The consequences of that decision led to another bad decision, then another, then another. And all of a sudden, you're, you're living with consequences of all those bad decisions that you never intended to be. You look back and thinking, maybe think, what was I thinking? 
Why did I ever decide to do that? Why was that very first bad decision so easy to do? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What to do when bad decisions are so easy to make? Sounds like a good topic, right? This is in, there's, I want you, what we have is an incredible book, right? This, this book called the Bible. It is an incredible book. And it's filled with all sorts of history of great men and women who have done some incredible things. It records their good deeds, and it great, gives us great examples of how to live. But it also records many failures and sin that also, as we take a look at, can teach us about how to live a godly life. And as example, as one example, one of the finest kings of Israel, David, a man so described as after God's own heart, was an incredible king, yet he sinned on many occasions. And maybe his most grievous sin was probably his affair with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. David found out just how easy it is to sin and displease God. I'm sure he thought on many occasions, what was I thinking? Why was it so easy for me to do this? I want to tell you right up front that this is going to be a two-part sermon. Today we're going to look at what took place and the bad decisions that this biblical hero made that seemed so easy for him to do. That's what we're going to talk about today. Then next week we're going to talk about, look at how he responds later And he finds forgiveness, and I don't want us to miss this this morning because I'll tell you, a lot of the sermon has to do with stuff that's like, that doesn't sound so good, you know, dealing with all of that. And I don't want us to leave here thinking that there wasn't redemption because there was in David's life, and God is, is faithful to forgive us, and we receive mercy from him. And David received this, but I, I want us to really focus this morning on what it was that he did, these bad, this, this series of bad decisions. Now, I want to also give credit to this outline that I'm using to another pastor and some references that of a pastor who preached a sermon similar to this called Rodelio Malari. So I'm just kind of looked at his outline, and I'm kind of using that as as a as a um, um, just a basis for this sermon. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Second Samuel chapter one, you can follow along in this incredible book that we have, or I've got it on the screens for you, or you can take a look at that. All right, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day. We're grateful for your love and mercy. In spite of our bad decisions, in spite of the sin that we may have in our life, you are a gracious God full of love and mercy and forgiveness. And I pray that this message this morning not is my message, but it, that it speaks to each of us. We find ourselves in a series of bad decisions that led, has led to consequences that, that is not preferable, that we would choose to do something about it and come to you and repent. And ask for forgiveness and bask in your mercy and your love and your grace. Use this time, Father, to speak to us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. May we feel him today and respond. In Jesus' name, I pray. We pray. Amen. In the spring 
at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the uh, Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, I'm just going to kind of read through this whole chapter, and I'm going to just, but I'm not going to take it all at one time. I'm going to just stop along the way and show you some examples of some bad decisions uh, with some explanation that David has made. Now, it seems, may seem a bit strange for the opening of verse 1 to talk about the spring, and, and, and it's the time that kings go to war. But in that part of the world, wars were normally fought and uh, during they, they weren't fought in during the winter months because of the weather so they'd wait until the weather changed and then they'd go out and fight again it seemed kind of like well that sort of makes sense and fighting would resume when the weather improved and David makes a decision instead of going himself to send Joab to lead the army of Israel and instead of going to off to war with his soldiers he stays behind there's one of his bad decisions and that decision would start a chain of events leading to a series of bad decisions that would become very costly actually that wasn't the start of this some of his lifestyle beforehand started this with him choosing to have many wives so you have to back it up his lifestyle sort of set that up but in this particular story we see that this kind of starts this chain of events Here's kind of the first kind of deal he made, the first kind of mistake. It's so easy to become lazy in duties. Let me, let me kind of put that into our kind of uh, lifestyle. It's so easy for us to, to become lazy in our Christian responsibility and lifestyle to God. It's easy for us Christians to do that. He chooses to relax at home when he should have been out there fighting the Lord's battle. And one of the biggest problems we have in our relationship with the Lord is we get relaxed in that commitment to him. And if you're not careful, before long you start letting your guard down. And when your guard is down, you become very vulnerable to tactics of the enemy and to the flesh. I've seen this happen. I've experienced it myself. A lot of times it has come after having spiritual success where I can look back and say, God did an incredible thing, and wow, look at what he did, and man, I'm feeling pretty good about it, and all of a sudden I start getting lax and, and lulled into a place of complacency. Have you ever done that? When we're lazy and idle, we become open targets to temptation. If we do not continue to fight the flesh or the devil or both, we will, can easily fall prey to temptation. The Bible teaches us that we're to be careful and to stay on guard. Now, I've got a lot of scriptures going to talk about that, of how we should be acting. The first one is this, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, you know you have an enemy? If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you have an enemy. If you're a non-believer in Christ Jesus, you have an enemy. And he's a powerful enemy, not the most powerful. He has been defeated. He's been put, he's been put in his place. And God will be, is and will continue to be victorious over Satan's power. But in the meantime, until God finally comes back and takes care of it, we have an enemy. 
And the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. To devour. Jesus teaches us that we're to stay focused and alert by doing this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Say it with me. With all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He goes, love, uh, the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He is very, very emphatic about this. He said, love the Lord your God with everything there is about you. Now, they can't really say it much plainer than that, that we're to stay focused on God, to be alert to what he's doing and to let him work in our lives. Now, here's David. I want you to think about this. A man who has allowed God to do some amazing things in his life. He's been a great king. He's, as I said earlier, a man after God's own heart. And yet, what does he do? He lets his guard down and easily makes bad decisions. So what does he do? So what do we do when it's easy to do otherwise? Ephesians tells us this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against who? The enemy. Against what? The enemy's schemes, the devil's schemes. If you want to do this, if you want to be able to stand and not make so those easy decisions like David seems to be making, then you must depend on God to help you. Amen? You with me? You can't do it by yourself. Neither can I. But here's what we have as believers. We have his mighty power. Do you see it? Right here it is. Mighty, be strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. We have strength to do this. That's the first and bad decision that David makes and led to another one. Here's the second one. It's so easy to lust after the flesh. Look, look at verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful. Lust. You know what the definition of lust is? It's defined as intense or unrestrained sexual craving or an overwhelming desire or craving. GodAnswers.org says this about lust. Lust has as its force, force, focus pleasing oneself, and it often leads to an unwholesome actions to fulfill one's desires with no regard to the consequence. Let that set in just a minute. It is a strong desire to please oneself, just ignoring possible consequences that may come. Lust, it goes on to say, is all about possession and greed. If your thoughts are not controlled, such was the case as David as he looked and saw a beautiful woman bathing, it can lead to serious consequences. 
It's so easy to fall into temptation, to the temptation of lust. I don't have to tell you this. I tell you, you want something that would just scare you to death? Just go on and look up use of pornography among our, our young people today. It's overwhelming. You just go on, it's easy to find. The majority of young kids, it's so accessible, so easy to find, the majority of young kids have already experienced pornography. So it's not just the kids. It's a much bigger problem than that. But it will scare you to death as to how readily available it is. And it's not just the boys. I read one little thing here. It says, girls are looking at it too so that they will learn how to please the boys. Now, that doesn't shake you. That's pretty sad when you stop and think about it. It's prevalent in our society today, not just among our kids. It is, is very dangerous. And here's what, here's, way back in the Old Testament, here's what's found in Job. For lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished, is a fire that burns all the way to hell. It would wipe out everything I own. And he's saying that. That's a pretty strong statement. We know how easy it is for people to fall into the temptation of lust and act on it. We've seen many people do it because of their inability to control their thoughts. And what it leads to is it becomes very dangerous in our relationship with God, but it doesn't stop there. In our relationship with others, the Bible goes on to say this about lust. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. There's an incredible difference in how the consequence is where it's going to take us when we choose to allow our minds to be controlled by lust. Jesus took time to call it out in the Sermon on the Mount. He said it this way, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery, but I tell you anyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus understood the danger of not being able to control one's desires and tells how serious it becomes, saying you're guilty of disobeying the seventh commandment. And certainly, if David's attention had been where God had wanted it to be, where God had placed him for it to be, he would never have put it where God did not want it to be, in that lustful situation. As Christians, we're called to be holy. 
And being holy means that we strive to overcome the fleshly desires. That takes us back to Jesus' teaching where he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind. Maybe, I think we have experienced this, maybe it's just too easy to lust after flesh. And if this is a routine habit in your life, it's a bad decision that messes up a pure and holy life and the relationship with God. Here's another bad decision that David makes. Watch this. David sees a woman bathing and how beautiful she is, and watch what he does. Verse 3. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then, he went back, then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. Lust in the heart and in the mind, it now takes it to an actual act of sin. And he abandons all self-control, and, and this, this abandonment takes him further into trouble, bad decisions. Here's a third kind of thing that we keep kind of in mind. It's so easy to lose self-control. Isn't it so? Instead of resisting sin... David let go of con the remaining control he had, and now he commits adultery, which he'd already done in his mind according to what Jesus said, but now he fulfills it in the act. I just wonder if Jesus, when he, when he was preaching to those people on the side of the mountain, if he had in mind maybe what, G what David had done when he tells us that, you know, when you commit adultery, if when you're thinking in your mind, you're already doing it. Was he looking back on what happened to David? It's easy for us to give in our desires that gets us off focus. And when we do, it leads to trouble. James, in his letter about Christ, to Christ followers and the dilemma that they're in, this divided loyalty between the world and God, he, he, he says to them, you must choose God over the world. And then he gives a warning about temptation. In verse 13, he says of, of chapter 1, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, watch what it does. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That's a strong warning. Bad decisions just keep coming for David. Verse 6. So he sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him, how, how, asked him how, Joab, how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Let's just have everyday conversation. But he's got a, a bad intent here. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift, uh, a gift from the king was sent after him. And 
Uriah, but Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all of his master's servants and did not go to his house. And David was told, Uriah, Uriah did not go home, so he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said, you're getting it, right? I mean, what, what's, he, what's he trying to get him to do? We know? Do I have to say it? You know? No. Uriah said to David, the ark and the Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commandment, Joab, and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? There it is. As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. You just got to admire Uriah's dedication, right? Then David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that, that day and the next. And David's invitation, he ate and drank with him. And David made him drunk. There you go, one more. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. Then we see what's about to happen with the next mistake. It's so easy to look for a cover-up. There's another way of saying this. It's so easy in our situation of bad decisions to start trying to blame it on other people. David continues with a series of bad decisions by looking up to cover up his sin. And as a result, he tried to make it look like Uriah had gotten his wife pregnant. And then, but David then had Uriah murdered so he could marry Bathsheba and make the whole thing look legitimate. It's really incredible the lengths that someone goes, that people will go, in order to legitimize their actions, their sins. Do we not see that over and over? Have you seen it in your own life? What you would justify, how you would justify, well, it's just my right to do this. Well, God wants me to be happy. I just need some pleasure in my life. I've just had a hard time, so let me just go out and have some really good times. And, and the bad decisions for David, just like if it would for us, just keep on going. Verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against you, Joab, some men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the Bible. First it was lust, then it was adultery, then multiple murders, for surely other brave soldiers died along with Uriah in David's plot. One act, one act that was evil, just kept giving way to another. Here's another kind of point to remember. It's so easy to let sin multiply. And that's what we see here. One bad decision, one sinful decision, just kept multiplying. One sin led to another. And here's the thing about sin. Sin does not operate in a vacuum. Many people are affected by the consequences of one sin. This idea that I can live my life the, any way I want to as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else 
That's pure garbage, right? Let me say that again because I'm not sure you get it. Think back. When you've seen someone sin, and they just keep on in that kind of mentality, that kind of lifestyle, haven't you seen it not just hurt that one person, but it continues this this multiple uh, falling effect of a touching and hurting other people? It's so true. We're not built for the kind of lifestyle, the kind of spiritual life that says, I can do anything I want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. We're not built for that as Christians. When one thinks that there is a sin that is private and it doesn't affect others, they are misguided. You may be able to keep it a secret, but I assure you, your sin will affect, first of all, your relationship with God. And by affecting your relationship, it starts to affect your relationship with others, either through the part of omission or commission. It may be that you're just not in tune with the Spirit of God to where He's leading to you, to you to, that you miss an opportunity to speak into someone else's life because you just have been just out of tune with God and you can't see that you're, uh, the need to help someone else. That makes it a sin for you, and it affects the other person. If you're not living out God's purpose for your life to speak into others' lives because of the sin that separates you from God and interferes with your relationship, then it's affecting other people. Look around society around your friends and notice how many miserable individuals and couples and families are just because one person started sinning and the effect that that began to create when you sin and reap evil consequences we are not alone. It's like a, like a deadly epidemic. It spreads from victim to victim unless it's quickly put to an end. Think about that. It goes on in verse 19, he instructed the messenger, when you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up and he may ask you, what did you get, why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know that they would shoot arrows from the wall. It's about to refer to a past history lesson of fighting too close to the wall. Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerob, Besheth? Didn't a woman drop an upper milestone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this, then say to him, Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. 
The messenger set out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent to him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. And Then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. I'm thinking, David is thinking, Yay! Mission accomplished. David told messenger, the messenger, say this to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. He's really celebrating, really. That's his speech here. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, you see what it says? She mourned. For him. And after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Watch this. But the thing David did had done displeases the Lord. Here's what David was pretending to do. He was pretending to live right, when in reality he was living in sin. Here's the next kind of thing and mistake we see. It's so easy to live a lie before men. Many people pretend to be godly when they're not. Now, I'll just say this. All of us have sin. There's no question about it. But when we have sin in our life, we have a responsibility to own up to that sin, face it before God, Repent of our sin, falling before him and asking for forgiveness. But when we have the attitude that, that, that says, doesn't matter, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing, God is displeased with that kind of behavior. He's displeased with the behavior before. But he's a loving God that wants to forgive us. But when we choose to keep on making those bad decisions, make no mistake about it, that displeases God. We see it right here. Watch the verse again. The Bible says the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Here's the last kind of lesson of this. It's so easy to lack godly conscience. It's so easy to lack godly conscience. But I want to put a second part on that, at least for a period of time. It's so easy to think, man, wasn't that sin fun? Sin is fun, right? It is. Or else we wouldn't continue doing it. There's pleasure in it at times. And for a while, it seems really good. It's so easy to please ourselves. While all along, we're displeasing God. But here's a reality. That pleasing feeling doesn't last very long, especially for a believer. Amen? You afraid to say it? <laughs> it's true. If you're a true follower of Jesus, you can't continue to live in sin and feel good about it. 
at least not at first. I do believe that after a while, one can become so callous to their own sin that they ignore the calling of the Holy Spirit to return to holiness. I do believe that can happen. And that's a sad place to be. But make no mistake, unforgiven sin catches up with you. One of the Beatitudes that we've been studying in our life group, we studied it last week, and it talks about this. Jesus is speaking. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So we were kind of studying that. I thought, you know, we're called to be righteous. We're called to be pure in heart. I want to see God. Do you not want to see God in our country? Do you not want to see us return to acknowledging God? Think about that for a moment personal life. If I want to see God, what this really says, I have to be pure in heart. And if I allow sin to infiltrate my life, what that does is really creates a, 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 a cloud, sort of speak, between me really seeing God work in my life. If you really want to see God, you must be pure in heart. Now, granted, it's so easy to make bad decisions. The easiest thing in life are not always the right things to do. What often seems to be practical, convenient, profitable, enjoyable, and right in our own sight is outright sin and rebellion for God, before God. But, aren't you glad there's a but that's coming along? There is an easy thing for us to do today if we find ourselves in this position that David found himself in is that we can come to the Lord Jesus and we can repent and we can believe in him and we can receive forgiveness and have eternal life right now. Isn't that a great but? The Lord suffered he bled and he died on a cross so that we would be able to do that thing, come before him. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, Whoever conceals their sin does not proffer, prof, prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces then finds mercy. It's never too late to confess and repent and do the right thing. And I close with this. It's always right 
to do the right thing. Would you pray with me, please? And Father, I'm glad that, just thankful that there's more to this story. It doesn't just end with, with David living this life of sin. In this situation, of all, a culmination of all of these bad decisions, these sinful decisions, that, that later he finds forgiveness. Just like we can find forgiveness. That we can come before you regardless of what sin is in our life, whatever we're lusting after, whether it's those things that are of sexual nature or, or maybe we're lusting after possessions or power or prestige, whatever it is, Father, that, that doesn't please you, that we don't have to stay in that state to where those things that if we just keep chasing after them are going to lead to to, to a, a false sense of happiness and joy that we can come to the true source of joy and happiness and freedom and forgiveness and that's found in Jesus Christ thank you that you made that possible and I pray Father that if this if there's someone here today that just has yet to, to settle that with you They would understand that their life is full of sin. And they're really dead because of sin. And the way to come back to life is to find that life in Jesus Christ. Come before Him and ask for forgiveness. Start a whole new life of destiny, purpose favor love in your sight maybe there's some kind of lust that we have in our own lives Father that we just need to bring before you right now we've been saved but yet there's this, this there's this, this this power this grip of sin on our life it just keeps us from being who you want us to be. And that sin affects not only our relationship with you, but it reflects relationship with others. May we bring that before you and say, I, I surrender it. I, I need help with it. Will you, will you help me to work through this, Father? To put it behind me. In this time of invitation, Father, I pray that if there's speaking to someone to come and, and, and spend time in this altar with you or come and ask me to pray with them or to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, that today they will be obedient and do what you're asking, leading them to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus, be it all, all to him I owe. 
sermon. I, I understand that. And quite honestly, it's a sermon that probably needs to be preached from pulpits more and more. But do we understand what those words really mean of what it cost Jesus so that we can be free from that sin. I want us to sing just that last verse in that chorus. And, and, and if, you, if you really believe that, man, just don't stand there like, well, I hope we're just about done here. I mean, sing it like you believe it. Let's sing. And when before the throne I stand Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe, sin hath left a crimson stain, He washed in white as snow, oh praise the
doesn't that deserve a hand clap of praise to the Lord amen be seated just for a moment if you will hey there's some super exciting things uh, coming up for student ministry uh, be much in prayer for our student fall retreat that's going to be coming up um, in two weeks from now October the 28th through the 30th and uh, for the first time ever we are encouraging our students to uh, really target um, and, and consider their friends who don't have a church home, who may not know Jesus yet. And so we're going to have some folks who um, I believe with all my heart are going to be hearing about God's best plan for their life for the very first time during this retreat. So we encourage you. Um, to I, I just be. can't quit. I just can't quit because I'm always wondering, will we pray more for UT to, to win them against Alabama or would we, than we will to pray for people, kids to get saved for the retreat? Which, which one will we do, right? Yeah. Man, that's an indictment if it is. Yeah. I'm going to quit now. I had someone say to me one time, if God answered all of your prayers today, all the prayers that you prayed today, how many people would come to know Jesus. And I can tell you for me, it was real convicting because um, I don't pray for my lost friends each and every day, but God uh, has called us to do that. It's very important. Um, then this Wednesday, um, moms and dads, if you have a student here, I encourage you to join me this Wednesday. While our student ministry is going on in the White Building, we're gonna be here in the kitchen. Um, we're calling it Student Ministry Roundtable but obviously that table is very rectangle, but um, it seemed like this was a good title for it. But we're gonna be talking about some things that God's laid on my heart concerning your students. I believe right now is the hardest time ever in the history for a student to live life. And um, God's just laid some things on my heart. I would love to hear what's going on in your home and what, what, um, how we can better serve your family and your students. So if you're a mom and a dad, and you can set aside that time, 6 o'clock to 7.30. Um, we'll have pizza here and some, uh, some drinks, and uh, we'll just be kind of having a candid conversation um, about how we can better serve your family and student ministry. Pastor Mike. Thanks, Pastor Kelly. Speaking of, of that very topic of um, you know, those, those that you don't know or those that you know that don't know the Lord and opportunities for that, we're going to be doing our tr uh, trunk or treat a week from this Wednesday night. Great opportunity for our church to reach out to our community, let them know that we're here, and that above all, uh, we give them candy, and, and we have a lot of fun, but that God loves them. We were talking about that this morning. Come on in, kids. They're going to uh, give out some things this morning. We asked the question, how do you know that God loves you? How do you know? And there was some silence there, and then so we talked about it, and one of the kids spoke up, and they said, God is love. Uh, and so as they come in now, they're dressed up to the hilt, to the nines, in a bevy of what we call kind of leftover costumes from the last few years. This is what you're going to see a lot of a week from Wednesday night, trunk or treat. If you haven't signed up, hey, there is one spot left out there on that poster we need a car for. Is there anyone? I hear one. I need one. I need one. I need one. Raise your hand. I need one car. I need one car. I need one car in the front, car in the back. We need one car to, to finish out our 25, and we won't stop at one. If we get more than that, that's great. Is that Dolly Parton I see in the... 
Which one? Dolly Parton right over there. We got Dolly. Yeah, we got, got some wigs. We got a, a balloon guy down here. We got a knight right here. Uh, one of them, yeah, Callum said he was a, what did he say? What did you say you were? A, gran a dancing grandpa? Yeah, a dancing grandpa. We got it all. If you want to help, we're going to be cooking some hot dogs out here. We need help with uh, passing out candy. If you want to help on this event a week from Wednesday, you come talk to me. It starts at 6 o'clock. Invite your friends and neighbors to this trunk or treat. If you have signed up up there uh, out on the poster, I'll be in touch with you this week about kind of rules and prizes we're going to give away for the uh, most creative, most interactive car for trunk or treat. We hope you'll be a part of that, okay? Awesome. Sandy Sidlow, come and give us an update on our church library. All right. I can't, I can't compete with that. That is too cute, too cute. Um, library is open. Um, thank you, Pastor Steve, and thank you, Lynn, for all the assistance that you have given to make this happen. We are going to open a uh, small, uh, meager, but powerful uh, church library <laughs> and uh, just going to make sure that that bubble man gets out without falling down and um, and so uh, I just wanted to kind of introduce myself um, introduce another amazing helper of mine Miss Kathy Graves I see you here can you stand up so that everybody can put a name to a face this is Miss Kathy she has been helping us get things organized, cataloged, and we are ready to open, um, though things will continually uh, evolve and change and be added to. I have boxes of books that I am still uh, labeling and cataloging, and what we're going to do is at the first of each month or close to that, we're going to try to circulate and add new books um, so there's always something new that you guys can come in and look for. Um, I have a lot of children books on their way here in the next couple weeks but we have tried to make this as easy and streamlined um, for you guys as possible um, I will be in the back as often as I can after service and um, able to meet you able to help you um, understand where things are and where you might be looking for certain things and Miss Kathy is going to do that too on occasion but I've designed it to where you can pretty much go into the library um, by yourself and uh, check out a book of your choice. So here's how it would work. Um, on the table back there, I have this green box. Uh, Kelly, can you help me for a second? I'm not an octopus. Awesome. Thank you. So I have this green box, and in it is going to be where the cards go. So we... We have the good old-fashioned library cards, and you're just going to go pick a book off of the shelf, and I'm either in the very front or the very back, this one has it in the front, um, you're going to have the card, and all you need to put on there is the date and your name, and then drop it in this green box. That way I can collect the cards, I can know that it's out of the library um, and extended for um, your use. Um, beside this green box on the same table is a legal pad, and it has your name, a phone number, and a wish list item um, for 
growing our library. So while I'm kind of getting patrons' names and numbers together um, until we build up our uh, patron list, that way I can contact you and um, if I need to, and I can also contact you about your wish list, let you know, hey, we've got that book in. Um, I'll be able to purchase books on occasion. Uh, we are still collecting, thank you, Kelly. Uh, we are still collecting um, uh, what am I trying to say? I lost a word. Books, donations, that's the word. Thank you so much. Donations, um, please bring them to us. Um, if you have children's books, if you have um, Christian books, um, and if you have books that are not in those categories, um, feel free to please continue to donate. Um, Friday Friends, one of our... Um, uh, sweet, sweet organizations on Friday, they actually uh, will take books over to McKay's and they help fund their ministry through that. So we can absolutely use books even if they're not on our bookshelves and, um, and just, yeah, go ahead and donate. Keep donating. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay, if you have questions, you can find me in the library this afternoon. I'm excited Thanks. about that ministry. I, I was here a couple of weeks ago and saw them on the, you were in there cataloging and organizing books. And I thought about that song we sing sometimes, uh, Mama, Mama's on the Mama's on the floor, on the, floor. On the ground. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was me. I was That's Mama's fun. on the ground. <laughs> hey, stand with us as we close in worship. Thank you all for being here. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, God. Thank you for all the great things going on. Here at Sunset Hills, God, we thank you for this ministry and this church family, Lord, and just how it supports and just uh, wraps its, its arms around um, all of its members, Lord. We thank you, God, for um, our pastor, God, and, and Lord, just uh, delivering those tough messages sometimes that, God, we just need reminders that, God, it's so easy sometimes to uh, make wrong choices. But, God, we serve a redeeming God who loves us, full of grace and mercy. And God, I can't wait to hear more about that next week. We love you. Until then, let everything that we do point to you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and He wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.